You're listening to the Road to Wisdom podcast, weaving stories told by wonderful minds about all things motherhood, health, intimacy, politics, nature, and everything in between. Join us on an adventure discovering unique experiences that we can learn from to enhance the ways in which we live. We are your hosts, Chloe and Kishia. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us on the Road to Wisdom podcast today. Um, We are so grateful to have you because both of us actually, um, between us we have eight children and um, we often get the question, do you put sun cream on your children? Um, And we don't, neither of us do. I don't know how much research you've done, Chloe, but I did it more from an instinctual place. Um, I felt like when my kids didn't need any sun anymore, their pink skins told me so and we would just get out of the sun rather than using sun cream. But it's something that we've questioned for a while. And wow. how good. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I, am, I am impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I think it's so great to have you on because we can actually talk about the nitty gritty and the research, which you seem to have dedicated a lot of your time to um, explaining why sun cream shouldn't be used. So, (laughs) but yeah, we would love to get into um, why, why would we use sun cream in the first place? What, what was the intention behind that? Well, we've always, throughout history, I mean, the ancient Egyptians used a, used a, you know, a grain that protected them. And the Indians in, um, on the islands, Cuba and all those areas, the Indians would put paint on them, they put dirt on them to protect their skin. So we've always kind of tried to protect ourselves from, from the sun rays. So, and now we've got this huge uh, fear of melanoma. And it's amazing because my research shows that using the sunscreen actually increases the risk of melanoma. When you look at a graph of melanoma and what it was doing before sunscreens, and it just started taking off after sunscreens were introduced. And it makes all the sense in the world because uh, there's a lot of rays besides just the UVB that causes a sunburn. Uh, There's the UVA and then uh, infrared. And those are all coming down on our skin. And when we block the UVB and we stop the sunburn, we sit in the sun two, three, four hours longer. And so then all those other radiations are penetrating into our body causing the melanoma so it, it just it, the whole idea is absurd and they're making millions of dollars off of it and destroying the oceans worldwide and harming us they, they really do harm us on an astronomical level i just um when i started when i told my husband screens he he goes you're a hormone specialist how how can you do a a book on sunscreen and I didn't know I had to be a total hormone specialist to describe what these chemicals are doing potent anti-testosterones potent and and so then the young male fetus is developing with anti-testosterone when he needs the testosterone his young little testicles are making so that the brain is is bathed in testosterone while it's developing and that's not happening anymore. So our young boys aren't developing masculine characteristics. Wow. And this is from the use of sunscreens. So could you explain to us um, which chemicals in sunscreens are causing these effects in our offspring? <laughs> All of them. I'm sorry. They, they really are. They're, they're just the hormonally active ones. There's 16 sunscreen chemicals that are approved in the United States are very hormonally active, very anti-testosterone. And uh, then they've got the ones that are the zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. And those are, 
they're destroying sea life. Wow. So how come, so what's the reason that they're saying that it's the sun and global warming and climate change killing all the coral um, when it kind of seems like it could be obvious that it's something else. Chemicals um, like a chemical re- slathering on. Yeah. Um, how, how did, yeah, what I'm trying to say is have they actually tested or looked at the effects of sunscreen on coral reefs? Yes, absolutely. Well, they've, they've uh, tested the individual chemicals on specimens of coral from ocean, different oceans around the world. And so they just put the uh, chemical in the water that the coral's in, and the, the coral's dead in 96 hours. It, it just, it, it's staggering to me that this has been allowed to happen for so long without recognition that we are the ones killing the coral. Um, and the reason I got into this, I learned to scuba dive 50 years ago, and I feel very blessed I got to see the gorgeous coral down there. It just, it's a wonder. It's absolutely, used to be spectacular. And then uh, my sister had a place in Hawaii. So I was there year after year after year. And I saw the coral beginning to die. And one year I was there, it's about 12 years ago now, I was there and I tried to force myself into the water and it's so cold. I'm inching down into it. I've got goosebumps all over me. I am so cold, colder than I've ever felt in the 20, 30 years I swam there. And um, I came out and the headline in the paper was, are corals dying due to global warming? And I'm standing there with goosebumps all over me going, this is not. So my research brain, I'd already written several books, and my research brain wanted to figure out why. So because I love the coral, I want to figure out how to save it. And uh, I immediately found the studies that showed that the sunscreen chemicals kill the coral in 96 hours immediately. I mean, the it's there. The evidence is there. And uh, I'm hearing that you're... Great Barrier Reef is really in bad shape in a lot of places. And it's a shame that that's going down. And what happened in Hawaii, it's a smaller, the the islands are smaller. And they closed off the, the beaches and wouldn't allow people to swim. And the coral that was had been dying during the two years of the closure, they started recovering by themselves. So if we'll stop putting the chemicals in the water, our corals will recover. And, and it's important that we do. We just came back from the Great Barrier Reef and there were actually signs telling um, the tourists not to wear sun cream on the boat. And I was, you know, a bit shocked actually because it was a big company and you'd think they'd be promoting sun cream. But um yeah, they were telling tourists not to wear the sunscreens when they were jumping off the boat. So it's really interesting because obviously this information isn't filtered through to parents who are looking at after their kids and thinking that the sun is so dangerous. And especially here in Australia, it is pretty rough in summer. <laughs> you can get burnt quite easily. Um, but, yeah, parents aren't told, hey, these sun creams are actually quite dangerous for your kids they're being told the sun is and just make sure you continue slathering on these zincs and creams to make sure that you don't get damaged when when in reality those chemicals are damaging our kids horrendously absolutely the the one uh chemical that they have determined is in 94 of Americans' blood supply. 95% of our bodies have that chemical, even in those who never use sunscreen, because it's now in our water. It's in our lakes. It's in our rivers. It's in our water supply. And it doesn't come out with filters. So, And that is one that's highly anti- 
Which chemical is that? The benzophenone 3. And the, fen- the benzophenone 3, is that how it's pronounced, um, is causing the hormonal changes in our children. That, and but there's 12 of them are causing hormonal changes, but that one is so prevalent uh, that it's in 95% of us, even those who didn't use sunscreen. So for us who live in Australia, um, and we were, it's very indoctrinated that um, if you don't wear sunscreen, you will get sun cancer and they can be, they can be, they can cause death. And so if someone like us who, you know, I've often said many times that sunscreen is just not something I believe in. And I just don't think that it's um, like, it's a ticket to just go and hang out in the sun all day and there be no consequences. Um, And I have a method of sun protection that I prefer, but not many people are on board with that or have listening ears or willing to listen because we are so heavily indoctrinated to believe that the sun is actually harmful for us. And so to hear that the sunscreen is just hormonally challenging for our children and for us and is actually quite dangerous for us, that's all good and well. But how can we – what is the alternative? Food. Which just it really it's food. Um, so the solar radiation coming down is oxidation to our bodies. So we need a lot of antioxidants to combat the damage, and um, it really works so well. I have a whole chapter in my one book that's um, I don't know if you can yeah it. I have a whole chapter in this book. Sunscreen is biohazard. Treat as hazardous waste. And it's amazing. I was surprised by how much research had already been done in this area because that's all we need. The antioxidants that we eat actually rise up in the skin and form a protection from the solar radiation coming in. And, and uh, I, I've spoken to several people, very white, 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 white people, Irish, white. Um, one woman said that she would blister in 15 minutes in the Mexican sun, which probably close to where you are there in a lot of places in Australia. And um, she showed me her arm. I had given her a lecture. She came to me and it was just natural color. And she said, I was in Mexico for two weeks. I had a high antioxidant diet and this is all that happened. I was totally protected. And we need that antioxidant diet to protect us from all the wireless, from all the cell phones, all the smart meters. It's the same oxidation damage. So the antioxidant diet protects us from both our stupidity of all the electronics that we're being exposed to and all the cell towers and, and smart meters and, uh, and then protects us from the sun. But we need the sun. We really do. I'm... I'm 80 years old, and when I had my first son, the hospital said, undress him, take him out, put him in the sun and rotate him like a spit because he needs the sun. I mean, this is how far we've come from saying, oh, the sun is dangerous, just in just in a couple of decades. Well, I guess more than a couple of decades. Now, instead of that, what they do is tell your child, take, yeah, tell you to give your child to a machine of blue light and they stick your kid under this awful blue light <laughs> when really you could just put your child in the sun to help with the jaundice. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I had a jaundice child and uh, and had to keep taking her out and rotating her in the sun. And it helps. Much, much safer than all of our man-made electricity is far worse than the sunlight. So in terms of diet as well, um, you know, I have a bit of knowledge in this area myself and um, I know there's foods um, that would probably contribute to burning of the skin like seed oils um, and things like that. What is your understanding of that? So, well, I, I really 
promote what's in my book, this whole chapter, because it's all proven in the studies. Studies are in that chapter. It's a huge chapter. Lots of studies, lots of foods, tremendous amount of foods. And I've got them in alphabetical order in the end of the book. Um, so it's astaxanthin is one great thing, um, at least in America. I assume you can there. And uh, it's it's the plants make to protect themselves from the sun. And so it's very, very potent and very protective. So people just take that. Uh, actually, that's all they need. But, they, but still, they need the whole plethora of all the green, leafy green vegetables, all the reds, all the purples, all the colors. And in whole food form, I would imagine, not as extracts or um, powders or supplements. Supplements. I feel like eating those foods in the whole full uh, whole food form is what helps us with the protective properties of them. Absolutely. Well, I I agree. There. The problem is trying to get whole foods that are whole foods. You know. The, our farming, um, I I have given up on blueberries here in America because, first of all, they don't taste like blueberries. So you know they've got pesticides even though they're sold as organic. So I've given up on eating eating foods because we can't get good food anymore, really. I don't know. <laughs> you probably can get better food there. Yeah, we're very just, lucky. Um, and I wrote the second book on sunscreens because... I was asked to write an uh, article for a health journal, and I thought, well, I'll just look up. It's been five years since I wrote my book. I'll just look up to see what's, uh, what's new. And I was so horrified about the zinc and titanium dioxide being just shoved, saying, oh, you don't absorb it, which, which is absolutely – I have pictures of them – the zinc and titanium inside cells, inside the nucleus of the cells. And they say we don't absorb it. We absolutely do absorb it. So it, it's all wrong, which is just really sad. Elizabeth, just really quickly, should we be afraid of being in the sun without sunscreen? Like, should we be worried that if we don't put sunscreen on us or our children, that they will get skin cancer? Like, is that the deciding factor, whether or not we're wearing sunscreen? That's the fear that they've put into people. And uh, my editor that edited both my sunscreen books, over 400 references in there detailing how they don't work, how they're wrong, how, how they hurt. And the editor, a week after my second book went to publish, she calls me and she goes, I just watched a commercial and we've got to use sunscreen. And I'm like, here she had all that evidence she'd been reading for a couple of years. And uh, she, they're, the commercials are so uh, tailored to get you to believe what they're trying to sell you. It, it's just because actually we need the sun. We need the sun more than than um then what they're saying about the possibility of of uh, melanoma and skin cancers but uh, i've been in the sun my whole life my family got a boat when i was five so and when i was five 75 years ago there was no sunscreen and we were out in the boat all day all weekend and uh, so it just you know, it just, it makes no sense to put this much fear into people. And it's a tragedy. And and part of it is because they're making so many millions of dollars off sunscreen. Actually, I have heard you speak on sunscreen and forever I have thought that sunscreen is a skincare product. But the way you talk about it being a pharmaceutical product, um, it definitely switched the conversation for me because 
Yeah, when you think of it as a pharmaceutical product, well, pharmaceuticals always come with side effects and risks, whereas skincare has never really had that heavy um, alternative side to it. So I think, yeah, when we refer to sunscreens as a pharmaceutical rather than as a skincare, um, it does. It switches the conversation up and I guess would encourage other people to ask more questions. Mm. And I guess at the moment in Australia, there are a whole body of people who have realised that they're actually applying toxic chemicals to their bodies and then going out into the sun, which kind of accelerates a damage element. And so now people are really into natural sunscreens, but they still have those zinc um, dioxides and other ingredients like that. So are they any better? No. They're not. And that's why it became a second book for me. I was so horrified at the evidence of the damage and how harmful they are. And when you see pictures of these little pieces of of the zinc or titanium inside, it it goes into the brain. It, It just it travels everywhere. And our bodies aren't designed to handle these little tiny pieces of metal. They're really it. You know, they say, oh, we're all natural, all mineral. Well, it's... Yeah, and I think also I've heard you speak on your sun exposure not being from zero to 100, um, being like exposing your body to the sun through spring, maybe even where we are towards the end of winter so that when summer does roll around, you've had a high antioxidant diet, you've been building up this tolerance to the sun as well, building your melanin and um, which would also help with the Mm. protection side of things. Yes, well, that's my understanding too is that UVB exposure actually creates melanin and it's kind of like an inbuilt sun protection mechanism that we have inside our bodies. Um, And then when we expose ourselves to the spectrum of the sunset, that actually our bodies have an innate capability and knowledge to repair any of the cellular damage caused by the sun during the day. Um, and so, yeah, it would, it'd be awesome to, for you to chat to us about the building up of the callus naturally and if that's a smart and safe um, thing to do for our children and for ourselves during summer. Absolutely, absolutely because melanin... That, that tanning that our bodies do naturally, that melanin is the best sun protection we can have for our skin. So our bodies are already creating the best protection for us naturally as long as we gradually introduce the sun every summer. How would you recommend building that color safely? So just, um, you know, go out like early morning, like, 10 o'clock in the morning and go out for 10, 15 minutes. And then, you know, every day just build up, build up more and more time. Um, My kids that I had were here in California. Of course, we don't have your Australian son, but here in California, you know, by the end of summer, they were this like little brown, brown, brown bears because they're, skin had uh, created so much tanning for them and so and then the tan somehow the body remembers it more and can tan faster the next year I I really noticed that I noticed that in myself Mm. so for us in Australia there's a lot of fear around melanoma and skin cancer how could we diffuse some of that fear with a little bit of logic um, and fact around if sun isn't causing cancer if sun isn't the main factor for getting a melanoma um, what is I'd like to give you another study um, about the melanoma Uh, it's a great study they looked at sailors on a ship and looked at those that had the inside jobs and then those that had the outside jobs. And those that had the outside job where they're out in the sun all the time had less melanoma than the ones that had the inside jobs because 
they didn't get the sunshine. We we absolutely need it. Um, we need the vitamin D. And so it it's really hard to overcome the incredible assault of years of programming because it's been program, program, program. I just like when my itcher called me and said, oh, we have to use sunscreen. I'm like, that's how, you know, they, they monitor, they build those commercials to make that sale. Why aren't the researchers looking at this, uh, sorry, the scientists looking at this research and calling it out as a chemical problem as opposed to a climate problem? Boy, that's, that is an incredible question because why are they saying cell phones are okay? Because it's obvious they're not. They're very damaging. They're causing cancers. They're harming us on such a level. And, and yet uh, the international organizations are saying there's no known, no known effect. I, it just, it, it's absolutely mind-boggling to me when there are thousands of articles now showing how it's causing cancers, how it's causing brain cancer, how it's causing breast cancer. And um, so it's the same problem that the industry with the money uh, are the ones that dictate the, what the research shows. And, and this is a problem across the board on all kinds of things. Yes, we've really seen that. It seems to be a common theme that really shows up for majority of the topics that we speak about is that it's like there's a war on anything that's good for us. Um, and if you try to say, hey, I actually don't think that's true, um, you look like a lunatic. So I'm glad... We also see these big businesses that are flourishing and it opens up new industry when we have something like climate change because we've got this industry of technology that's going to help stop climate change and all, yeah, so many stories and narratives that promote that many more businesses to flourish and create new ideas to stop and save when we can really pare it back and bring it back to nature and bring it back to, you know what, if you've been out in the sun, your skin being a beautiful receptive indicator is going to go pink and tell you to get out of the sun. But if you stop that from happening, you are, you're getting excessive exposure to the sun. And all of a sudden you've, all you've stopped is the messaging to tell you to get out of the sun, which I believe also this burning and then peeling is getting rid of any damaged cells. So now we've completely removed the mechanism of removing the damaged cells. We're keeping the damaged cells because we've like yeah flogged off that process and yeah I can see how that would lead to more cancer more Mm. melanoma more issues and DNA damage down the road so I guess because like all things it's much easier to ignore the obvious um and the obvious would be like hey I'm sorry I know it's summer it's a really fun time we love hanging out at the beach all day as Australians especially in the middle of the day it's very fun um you can't do that anymore. <laughs> you can only go in the mornings and you can only go in the afternoon. I'm very sorry. But um, yeah, it seems like there's that, like all things that we talk about, there's a false sense of hope or um, the shifting of responsibility. If we just put on sunscreen, we'll be okay. Mm. We can save you. We can save you from the burn. <laughs> we can save you from the evil sun. We'll just give you this chemical and you can stay out in the sun for as long as you like. <laughs> We see it on the water too. Anywhere that there is a whole congregation of tourists mainly, you can see it in the water. Like there is a film on top of the water and it is, it's awful. It can't be good. It's not rocket science. I don't even think you have to be a clinical researcher to just look at it and observe it with your eyes and think, is this good? Is this what nature intended? Probably not. Very good. That You're totally right. Mm, and I think um, I love you too. I just <laughs> find this so 
Mm, yeah. Well, it's something definitely to think on. And I, I feel like hopefully we're on the right track, bringing it, stripping it back down to how nature intended it. And yeah, working with our environment, including the sun and allowing our body to indicate to us when we've had enough sun. Um, and until that point, getting out in it as much mm. as possible because we need that information. Our I body think it's just it. understanding the sun and your relationship to it. Like my personal understanding because I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to like quantum biology and circadian rhythms is that obviously getting up in the morning and exposing our eyes to the, the first light, the, the first, you know, hour or so um, and then also the same in the afternoon and not being under artificial light and making sure we're synthesizing enough vitamin E from the sun, not from ridiculous supplemental form. Um, and yeah, it's, it is not responsible to be out in the middle of the day over summer all day, every day. And then, you know, going from zero sun to full sun um, and yeah, not applying those chemicals or oils onto our skin um, and yeah, obviously the nutritional aspect of protecting from the inside out. Um, yeah, and fearing the sun is going to get us nowhere. I'd love to ask you a question, Elizabeth, because because we do have these chemicals in our oceans, um, oh, eating fish would probably be one of the foods that would help protect you from sun exposure with the um, – antioxidants in fish oils however if you've got sunscreen in the water is this affecting our fish that we eat it it, it absolutely is and um i was poisoned with mercury 22 years ago and at that point i had to quit eating fish because of all the mercury in the fish um it it made me very sick i i couldn't uh couldn't eat it after that and then when i did all the research and found all the sunscreen chemicals. All these sunscreen chemicals are in the muscles of the fish. So we would wind up eating all these chemicals. And uh, so we actually don't eat fish anymore at all. And that's kind of hard to tell you in Australia where I think fish is probably a good portion of your, I would think fish is a good portion of your diet. So, but I just choose not to put those chemicals in my body. Is there any fish that you would think are not affected by sunscreen? No, because they're all swimming in the water and it's throughout the whole water. Mm. I wonder if they like, because there is obviously in, you know, relation to that idea that meat, you know, like cows who um, eat certain things or, uh, you know, like grain specifically um, and how that's synthesized and how we eat that. Obviously, there is argument that it's not good for us because they eat a diet that's not biologically correct. Um, but there is also argument that they can kind of synthesize the drugs and things that are given to them in factory farming and it doesn't affect us. So I wonder if fish can also synthesize in a way like is there any uh, is there any research to suggest that there is like a filter mechanism i i haven't looked into that i really haven't so um but it's a good idea it really is i feel like if we look back um at what you said earlier elizabeth where coral reefs that were blocked off from tourists were able to regenerate because they didn't have some sunscreen in the water um we could probably take that logic to areas that aren't exposed to tourists and that kind of high level of chemical exposure and the fish probably have Mm. have a bit of a detox and that was another question that um we'd love to ask you elizabeth is there a way to detox from sunscreen because i have heard you speak on um on spray on sunscreens and while I don't use sunscreen on my family Mm. we've gone to touristy areas um vacation areas where people are spraying this stuff and if you're downwind like cigarette smoke yeah you're like oh god how do I stop this from getting into my airways my kids airways so if we've had that exposure is there a way to detox from it I think 
um, we need to detox from everything that's coming at us. I mean, it's not just the sunscreen. It's, you know, it's all the chemicals that we're breathing all in the cars and stuff like that. So I think just a regular detoxing diet, continuous, continuous detoxing diet to just constantly help clean out the liver and the kidneys and and the skin. So, yeah, I think it has to be a way of life in today's world. Um, We actually did have um, a question, a couple of questions from our listeners. um, And one was on the topic of sun allergy. Is having a sun allergy a thing? Absolutely. And it usually comes from being toxic, from having heavy metals. Um, After my mercury poisoning, I had a hard time for a year or two where I had a very difficult time being in the sun because my skin would react so strongly, but it doesn't do that anymore. So it's, it's definite, it's a definite reality. And it's mostly because of toxins in us. And a lot of us, I don't know if you do the, uh, uh, the mercury, silver fillings for teeth in Australia. We do do them, but we don't participate. (laughs) Oh, good. Yes. But, uh, I mean, my parents filled us with mercury fillings because that's what they did, uh, especially during the Second World War when there wasn't much money. But um, so, yeah, so the problem is that a lot of people have mercury poisoning from the fillings because they, whenever you drink hot liquid, they vaporize. When you chew, they vaporize. So the mercury is going through your body all the time. And uh, so, and that mercury in the body makes people more sensitive to the sun, more Mm. sensitive to anything. So would that just be heavy metals in general? So if somebody's experiencing a sun allergy, um, is it correct to say that these people probably have a high toxic load and would probably be um, better off addressing their heavy metals to relieve some of that allergy to the sun? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and plus for their overall health. You know, I, I constantly, I, it's 22 years ago now where I was poisoned, but I know I still have effects of mercury in my body. I know that. It's very difficult to get rid of. Mm. I'm allergic to what they use to get rid of it, so I can't use it. So it's it's been a long, slow process. Mm. But of just eating good foods and constantly antioxidants to help clear the body. Yeah, wow. And I, I think that's probably another lesson that people can learn from their bodies. If you are allergic to the sun or highly sensitive to it, there is another issue there that you need to address because that's not... That's not how you should be responding mm. to the sun. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. Well, it definitely sounds like we should not be afraid of the sun so much and kind of shift the thought on how you can actually have a pos- positive and um, healthy relationship to the sun for your own benefit um and for the benefit of our environment exactly and i i mean i personally know i know many people who have had a melanoma um and had surgery to have them removed or told that that you know that could have been quite deathly for them and um i always thought like it was gospel like it was true that if you get sun you know you're in the sun so much you basically get a skin cancer and die but as i've gotten older and i've kind of expose myself to other ideas and concepts I've looked at you know kind of looked back on those people and I've realized that a lot of them are people who are incredibly afraid of the sun um you know constantly wearing protection Mm -hmm. sunglasses hats long sleeves full sleeve swimmers um they typically work indoors they don't particularly see a lot of sun um like school teachers doctors um people who drive transport so they're in in cars all the time you know with glass blocking the spectrum of full light and so yeah it is interesting to observe that um you know those people who bake and they're just wrinkly and brown (laughs) um, they don't have sun cancer (laughs) but um yeah it's just 
it's an interesting observation and I'm not saying that I'm I'm right I don't know what I'm talking about but it, yeah just to think about it logically and observe I mean it's it is not rocket science <laughs> that's right yeah well you know they they figured out when we we started making cities and industrialized in the cities and people coming to the cities and staying in the cities uh, they realized that uh, they were getting rickets because they didn't get enough vitamin D and because they were no longer in the sun to create their own vitamin D. And we need the sun to make our own vitamin D. And uh, so they started putting vitamin D in foods, supplementing it in, in bread and things like that. Um, so, yeah, we absolutely, we were so well designed. We, we really were. We, we, came onto this planet and have experienced so many um, backup systems and safeguards. Oh, no, I was actually just thinking too. I mean, with everything we've gone through over the last few years, one of the predicting factors of whether you would have a hard time with a certain disease that was out there was your vitamin D levels. And it's interesting that – and that information came out quite early – that those with higher vitamin D levels were actually better protected from, I'll say it, COVID. (laughs) (laughs) But then the the guidelines from our governing bodies were to stay inside and stay home and you weren't allowed to be out in the sun and you couldn't even go to the beaches and you got one hour out of your house. So... Yeah, I um I feel like if that's any indication of how much we should trust our governing bodies who are also pushing sunscreen, um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of questions, a lot of questions to uh, right. be answered. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of misinformation in our medical community and in the government. It's just, it's staggering. I am very grateful uh, to I'm a clinical laboratory scientist, and it takes years and years and years in California, where I live, to do all this, the studying, all the years of study. And then you intern for a year, just like a doctor, with no no pay, and you work till 2 a.m. and get back on the hospital floors at 6 a.m. I mean, it's, it's horrendous, absolutely horrendous uh, process. But I'm very grateful for it because that's what allows me to have the background in the biochemistry to write my books and do the studying. But at the time when I finally realized that laboratory tests don't really work, uh, after all that work, decades, and um, I was really disappointed that I spent that much time. But now I'm very grateful because I can write my books on sunscreen. I can write my books on hormones and, and help people understand the truth because there's very little truth coming out in the medical community today. Western medicine is so off base on so many things. I, I give whole talks on that because they just, they do not understand how beautifully orchestrated our bodies are and how our organs are critically important. Our, our tonsils, are, our appendix, are uterus and ovaries, they're all critically important. They're not expendable. Um, And the doctors, the medical community has been thinking that, oh, well, you know, if you have a little problem, we'll just take them out. And uh, and our bodies really suffer. Uh, I act as a menopause consultant and um, I'm staggered at how harmed women's bodies have been from the surgeries they've had. Elizabeth, you just mentioned something that I'm curious about. Um, you mentioned that you spent a decade or so just to understand. You mentioned that lab testing doesn't work. Does that Are you referring to when we go and get a blood test to look at markers like our vitamin D or iron or, um, you know, ferritin or any of those things? Is that what you're referring to as do you, you think that they don't work? Sadly, I think there are approximations. They're not something to really follow. You know, the, the doctors are using them to really follow the, the numbers, but they're approximate. And so, and hormones are 40% off. One of the reasons there's a fight over whether 
it should be a saliva sample or blood sample or urine sample is because they all use the same tests and the tests are 40% off. They can't get more accurate. So you might as well flip a coin. Mm. I have been doing menopause consulting for over 20 years and I can't tell you how many women have found me that uh, I have a six page profile. I haven't fill out questionnaire of how they're feeling uh, because I go by symptoms because that's what doctors used to use before these stupid lab tests. <laughs> Sorry. They, they, they are, they're, they're just mm. doctors are relying on them way too much to think that they're going to give them a value and to act on it and to change, change uh, whatever they're doing based on that value. I've actually always wondered if a blood test, so if we're trying to investigate something like um, iron, in iron in pregnancy, let's use it as an example because it's such, it's such a controversial one. But I've always had this feeling that um, when you when you go to get a blood test, you're really just capturing a split moment in time and your body is constantly expressing itself and doing something different throughout the day, the weeks, the cycle, the you know, everything has this nature that works the way it works. And I've always thought it was just bizarre that we could just take blood in a snapshot moment and think that we can understand what's happening inside our bodies. And then you need 500 milligrams of iron every day, or like you need an infusion right now, or your baby's going to die if you don't, you know, like just these massive claims is that is that am I off or is that something that is a little bit correct? No, I am very much in in support of what you just said, and I wish I had had those thoughts before I spent all those decades in all the learning uh, because you're right, you really are right. And and the the thing that I was just is that um. A woman can't produce milk if she's got high copper, if she's got normal amount of copper. And so we have been monitoring copper towards the end of pregnancy, and it's low because the body automatically makes it low so the mother can produce the milk. We need, yeah, we need copper. Yeah. And so, so we've been giving copper to these women right when they're starting to nurse, when the body totally knew to back off on the copper. Mm. It It's staggering how marvelous our bodies are made and our medical, Western medicine doesn't recognize it. Is that the same with iron as well? Because I think iron is something that we are told, you know, it's a massive focus in Australia and clinic. I know I'm not sure about America, but in Australia, it's a, iron's a really big focal point in pregnancy. And, um, you know, as per guidelines, it needs to be really high all the time. And yet the majority of women present with low or wavering um, iron levels throughout their pregnancy. And it's become you know, it's normal, so to speak, to have a dip in iron and that's when they test and they want women to be getting infusions. They want, you know, like it's such a, it's like a drive. Like I need the iron up. I need the iron up. Um, is I was just going to mention like it's so important here, iron levels, that if you're planning to have a, a home birth, your midwife can't support you with an iron level that is below. I'm not quite sure what the figure is, but yeah, they often will threaten women that they can't be supported in a home birth with low iron. So it it's really like driven to be higher, 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 and they only can test that with um, blood tests. And it's a shame because you could be feeling great, <laughs> mm. which would probably indicate that your iron's okay. But if your, um, yeah, if your test comes back a bit low, it, yeah, they do like to push infusions or supplementation or any of these things. So I just, I always wonder, on, and I think this is what you're getting to, like what the effects of that could be downstream. Like would that affect your um, milk supply at all? I don't know. I, I only just ran across this information about copper just in the last week or two. Oh wow! And and I'm just I'm in awe of our body. It just like 
you know, our body knows to reduce the, the copper uh, as we get close to nursing. And, and uh, our medical community doesn't understand it. There's so much our medical community really doesn't understand. We always find out these things after the fact, after we've done years of intervention and then, you know, we figure out, oh, shit, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that last 20 years shouldn't have been prescribing that medication right. or shouldn't have been intervening with the birth that way right. or whatever it is. And so I like to try and put yeah. that into um, into the realm of decision-making when it comes to what tests to do, what supplements to take what mm. yeah interventions to have so yeah well elizabeth thank you so so much for coming on we um it i just wanted to say i would like to wait 20 years after anything that's introduced because it takes 20 years to figure out if this is really true or not and so uh whenever there's something new i say okay we'll keep researching Oh, that's wise. That is wise. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, again. Um, it's been so amazing having you here. Could you please tell our listeners where to find you and also your books? Best EMF products. We have several. Okay, here. This will work. If you can read that. <laughs> so. Perfect. We can get that and we, we will, will screenshot that. Okay. All right. Yeah. So so we have a, a website for sunscreens and website for the EMF. And so we would love to help anybody. Be glad to answer any questions. Please email. Um, be glad to help out. And I am really excited about what you two are doing because we need more wisdom in what's happening today. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Well, yeah, we will link to all of those um, websites and to your books in the show notes. So if anyone needs some further okay. information or research, they can go there and then, yeah, contact you if they have yeah. more questions. Yeah, and if you can really help reduce sunscreen use around the Great Barrier Reef, that would be wonderful because I haven't seen it yet. I would love to see it while it's still beautiful. So, so hopefully you can do that. Oh. We'll give it our best. We will. We will. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> All right. Thank you again, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Road to Wisdom podcast. To join the journey, you can follow us on Instagram at theroadtowisdom.podcast and at www.theroadtowisdompodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We look forward to seeing you next week with more juicy content.